Coming to you live from our worldwide headquarters in Virginia Beach, Virginia, this is the Future EDU Podcast with your host, Josh Gillesner. Thank you, Barry, and welcome everybody to the show. This is Josh Glessner coming to you from Virginia Beach, Virginia, a very different Virginia Beach, Virginia than just a few days ago. I'm recording this episode here in the midst of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic that has swept not only our nation, but the world just in the last 60 days. And it's difficult for me, now I'm going to date myself here, I I, uh, I was a young Young adult uh, during 9-11. And I don't recall before or since an event that has been so completely paralyzing to society. Like after 9-11, I think we went back to school like the next day. If we had a day off, I don't recall. But if we if we had a day off, it was one or two and then we were right back at it. Everybody was sad and upset, and, and obviously there was human life lost, and it was, it was a, a tragedy of, um, well, it was what it was. It was 9-11. Everybody listening has some memory of 9-11, I would think, uh, unless you're a student in school right now, then you've read about that in the history books. But I'll tell you this, just over the last week and a half, I would say 10 days, now we're recording this episode on March 19th, 2020. And just in the last 10 days, the way that society has changed and shut down over the threat of a pathogen, a highly contagious pathogen and a highly dangerous pathogen, moving through society invisibly has been something that I have just tried to sit back and observe. Because I'm not sure that any of us will really see an event like this again for a while. Well, hopefully not. Uh, If you're invested in the markets, it's obviously uh, a tough time for you. I understand that. Most people uh, listening to this podcast right now are working from home, if they're working at all. And listen, there are a lot of professionals in the education world that are out of work right now. So if you are somebody who is looking for work uh, I know several of those people, very talented and gifted speakers and professional learning facilitators and, and uh, coordinators and all types of people who work with schools right now are sitting really anxiously just waiting to see when life will come back to some semblance of normal. And in past events, things like 9-11 and, and, and you know, the Kennedy assassination, I mean, life went back to normal pretty quickly. We all had kind of a a, a, a burned-in memory of those events. But as of right now, uh, as of March 19th, 2020, there's no real end in sight for us. And there are some states that have already said that their schools are not going back until the fall. Not many, but I do anticipate that number growing. And with that, I wanted to start kind of on my first topic today, which is the idea of e-learning. And this is going to be, I believe, a time that we look back on in America and American education and we say, did we take advantage of that opportunity? Because I'm a believer that all challenges are just opportunities dressed up in, in crappy costumes. All right. So, so this extended layoff for most schools 
And it possibly, if you're in uh, the state of California, if you're in some other states that have already announced this as of today, we're in a, a you you possibly are in a six month layoff type of situation. So you won't be getting new students until the fall. Now, do those students pass from third grade to fourth grade, fourth grade to fifth grade? How that all gets handled, that's outside of the scope of this episode. But the idea is that we have six months, if that's the case, if they're not going to come back until the first week of September, we have about five and a half months to do what we can for our students to give them the education that they deserve and the education that they need. So how are we going to do that? Well, mostly virtually is the way that we're going to do that, if not all virtually. And and how that has gone so far, I would say, is optimistically and generously a bit of a mixed bag. I've spoken with teachers all over the country since this outbreak has happened talking about how they are going to work with their kids. Now, many schools right now, as of today, Thursday the 19th, are closed, so they don't have any responsibility. But here within another week, week and a half, two weeks, we very well may get orders in many districts to do virtual teaching the rest of the year. And that, my friends is something that we should take very seriously, and we should consider that to be a great opportunity for us. We have to take it that way. This is a way that we can set up our entire curriculum, our entire operation to evolve and evolve very rapidly. You know, there's this idea in in just the concept of evolution that uh, things happen slowly and over time and stuff, but For the most part, that's not true. Anything that evolves, whether it's a technique, an industry, a technology, a societal force, anything that evolves, biology, anything that evolves over time generally rapidly evolves during times of crisis. Biological organisms rapidly evolved during extinction events. Technology rapidly evolves when there's an economic crisis. Education is in the same boat today, Thursday, March 19th. Education is at a crisis point. How are we going to evolve as an industry, as a community of educators in order to meet this new need? Because who knows what the future holds? And every district in America now for the next 12 months is going to be looking at the way that they responded to this crisis And they are going to be putting in guidelines and they're going to be putting in policies for what happens when society shuts down again. Now, I say society shut down. I'm not a doom and gloom person. I fully expect most of normal life to be back within a month or so. Hopefully, I'm right. I could be wrong, but I guess we have to take that for what it is. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about today is how does that look? How is your Google Classroom running? How has your attendance been? Because this is a weird time for teachers. We can create lessons that are run virtually. We can create units that students have to research. In fact, that's basically already done for many of us out there listening. But now we lose a bit of control. If a student is in my classroom and working on a research unit, I can hold that student accountable. 
I can build a relationship with that student. I can build a relationship with their parents. I build a relationship with my administration. I worked with our intervention team if the student's not doing well or is not motivated, and I can work on how to motivate that kid. But now when they're not in your classroom anymore, when they're far away and you can't even legally see them anyway because of any quarantine effects or or any public policy that's handed down, how do we keep them, how do we keep the students engaged and how do we hold them accountable for their results? I wish I had a magic bullet just to give you right now that would, that would answer that. I don't. I'm working on it, <laughs> but I don't have one right now. So it's interesting to me how this may end up panning out in the next few months. If we're in a situation where the schools nationwide aren't going to be coming back until September, How much of that time will actually be lost? Were students able to attend class online and actually do a good job and actually learn something? How do we measure that? How do we assess that? And one of the things that that the responsibility for student learning, of course it falls on the students and of course it falls on the the teacher. We all know this. This isn't anything in any, any type of new rocket science. But I have always felt that the biggest responsibility for a child's education is the parents of that child or the guardians of that child. And now, in early March 2020, now we get to see that put to the test. I think it's going to be difficult for states and districts to hold teachers accountable for students who are not in their classrooms. If we have to go the rest of this semester without a student setting foot inside of a classroom— To me, it's difficult to hold the teacher responsible for the student's learning. So, who gets held responsible? Well, it has to be the parents. Because the kids are at home all the time. Now, we're going to see. I'm going to update an episode every every couple of days. And I'm going to track the way that this crisis has affected education. I've already been in contact with a lot of different administrators, a lot of different teachers, a lot of different people in the education realm. But I want to see how this is going to play out in the long term because I've always been an advocate of personalized learning. I've always been an advocate of STEM, as hopefully you could figure out by the title of this podcast and our organization. But I want to make sure or I want to get my mind around or wrap my mind around how this is going to affect us in the long term now. With that said, I do have a couple of things uh, from a takeaway point of view. And to help my students and teachers at home, I have a couple of ideas for things that we can research and ways that you can tie this crisis into your curriculum and your standards. All right. I've got social studies, science, health, math, and ELA to give you, and then I've got one other one too. But I want to look at this coronavirus outbreak from a couple different lenses and help you tie this outbreak into your curriculum. Because it's something I think is important. If you can't utilize current events to teach content, then that that's probably something that you need to work on as a teacher. I mean, we need to be able to harness the power of major current events and teach our curriculum and teach our content off of that and connect everything back to it. So if you're a social studies teacher... How are you looking at this? I would look at it from this point of view. Looking at 
major impacts of society and looking at it historically speaking, right? A popular one that gets brought up is the Spanish flu outbreak in 1918 and compare and contrast. Well, it's a, it's a lot different world now. Could your students investigate the differences between the world now and the world then? Could your students investigate the differences between the mass communication methods like now you see something on Twitter and every time President Trump gets up to the podium, all televisions in the nation immediately zoom into that? Or how was it different back then? How is this compare and contrast this to things like 9-11 and Pearl Harbor and the Kennedy assassination and Challenger and all these types of things? So that's from a social studies standpoint. From a science standpoint, you can talk all about epidemiology or one of the things that I think you could utilize in your virtual classrooms is looking at science and how far science has evolved since that Spanish flu epidemic in 1918. What were some of the precautions that were taken 100 years ago against a, a pandemic versus now? How, how many lives have already been saved by the announcements by the CDC, the World Health Organization, and all that. Now, we look on TV. Now, listen, you look on TV and you look on the radio and you see these big numbers and, and the death toll is going to continue to climb. We all know that if you've been following this. Okay? But that death toll, as of today, I think it's it's 150 and something, uh, maybe even more than that here in the United States. But in the grand scheme of society and and major world events... That's not as big of a toll as some other things. So keeping it in perspective from a social studies viewpoint is something important. Or from a science viewpoint, rather. I'm sorry. Now, for your health class, this has been a real-world classroom activity in personal hygiene. All right? I doubt that people's regular hygiene habits are going to go back to where they were after this crisis. I think hand-washing and sanitizing and social distancing, I don't think that's actually going to go away for a while. I think this is something, this is an event that, you know, the germaphobes have been telling us is coming for a long time, but it, I think it really focuses people's attention on personal hygiene. So from a health standpoint, that's one way to look at it. If you're a math teacher, looking at the phenomenon of exponential growth, and why is it that we're so early in the crisis as of today, 100 and some deaths, 10,000 cases in the United States, but why are we so panicked? It's because of the concept of exponential growth. And if you've taught high school algebra or you've taught eighth grade math and you look at exponents, this is a way for you to connect it right here. Okay. Make sure that your students are studying the numbers and the models. There's plenty of data out there. Use data. Look at episode one where I talked about using big data in the classroom. That would be a fantastic place to go. From an ELA standpoint, you can talk about author's purpose, evaluating sources, critical thinking. As of a week ago, there were several major news outlets here in the United States talking about how coronavirus was not that big of a deal. It was a mild illness, and it only affected old people. Well, now, a week later, we now know that all of that is rubbish. It's garbage. It's junk. It's not true. So do our students have the ability to look at a news story and identify bias in the writing? Are they able to look at 
sources and say, is that legitimate? Are they able to get a text message from a friend that says, oh, a friend of a friend of a friend talked to somebody in the White House and they said there was a national quarantine that was going to happen in 48 hours? If that sounds familiar, you probably got duped by that the same, same way I did. I did. I got the same text message everybody else got and I ran to the store and I got a bunch of groceries. Turns out it was false. It was a hoax. So even grown adults need to look at our ideas of evaluating sources and using critical thinking. Finally, one of the things that I push a lot at Stemology Education is this, is financial literacy, right? There are a lot of people, not only in the education world, but all over that literally had their jobs pulled out from under them overnight. And everybody's got extenuating circumstances. Everybody's got their own financial situation, depending on a lot of different factors. But there's so many young people that I've spoken to, tons and tons of young people that I've spoken to that have told, and I said, well, we might be off week, uh, we might be off work for, you know, a few weeks. And they panic because they don't have a savings account. They panic because they don't have a budget and they don't know what to do because their cell phone bill's coming up and they don't have any money because they just got laid off of work. Financial literacy coming back from this needs to be at the forefront of a lot of the learning opportunities that we have. Basics like savings accounts, the markets, credit, using credit, all those types of things we can take advantage because if young people don't have basic financial literacy skills, they're really susceptible to this type of happening or this type of event. And the bulk of the people that have been hit hard economically from this are young people. They're servers, they're bartenders, they're waiters, they're waitresses. They're, they work at retail jobs, and now suddenly, that has, it, with the stroke of a pen, the governor of the state has put them out of work. Now, some people don't think about it that way. Some people say, well, the governor is just doing what is in the best interest of everybody. Well, that's, I guess that's how you justify taking people's paychecks away. Is it necessary? That's not, I, I think it, it's, it's necessary, but it puts a lot of people in a tough situation. Now, here is a, the big segment of the episode is our classroom takeaway of the day. Classroom takeaway of the day. And for our classroom takeaway of the day, I'm going to give you something that has a bunch of e-learning projects that are free for 60 days that may be well enough to get us through this crisis together. This is on definedlearning.com. That's D-E-F-I-N-E-D learning.com. And in their e-learning platform, they've got several different items that are learning. They have got things for K2, grades 3, 5, 6, 8, and 9, 12. All of these have very strong real-world connections. Okay, just for example, grade six to eight is all about entrepreneurship. So let's start a business. And it looks at it from a math standpoint, an art standpoint, an ELA standpoint. And you've got all of these different learning tasks that have been laid out for your students right there. That's definedlearning.com, D-E-F-I-N-E-D, learning.com. So if you're a teacher during this time, you're a parent listening to the podcast, Go to definelearning.com, look at some of those e-learning projects, and I'm telling you, 
they are long enough, they're deep enough, they're challenging enough to keep your kids busy for a little bit of time. I'm going to continue to come on the show fairly frequently during this crisis. I want to share as much good information as I possibly can with the audience in order to make sure that we're in a good place during this unprecedented national emergency. This has been Josh Glessner for the Future EDU podcast. I'll see you on the next episode. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to the Future EDU podcast. For more information and updates, check us out at stemologyedu.com or follow us on Twitter at stemologyedu. Until next time, take care.